0: Father, we do thank you for all of the teachers and school leaders that are part of our church family. We pray for your anointing upon them, strengthen them, enable them, Lord, to be great teachers. Jesus, you said that when a student is fully trained, he'll be like his teachers. So Lord, we pray that they wouldn't just be good proliferators of of information, but they would be models for their students to follow. Lord, also we pray that you speak your word to us now. In Jesus' name, Amen. So there was this guy, and he was walking through the desert, and he didn't have any water, and he became very thirsty. And it was a long way still before he was going to come upon any type of village that might have a water well. And so he's he's, he's moving through the desert, and he sees a man on a camel. And he makes his way toward the man, and he thinks, surely he'll have some water. So he goes to the man, and he says, I need some water, just one drink of water. And the man says, I have no water. I only have ties to sell. I'll sell you a tie. He says, I don't need a tie. I need water. The man goes off in his camel. He keeps going, hoping he can get to this little village that has a water well, he heard. And as he goes, he sees another man on a camel. He gets to that man and says, do you have any water? He says, no, I only have tithes. I'm selling tithes. He said, please give me a sip of water. He says, I don't have any water, only tithes. And so the man goes off on a camel, and he continues to head toward the place he heard there was water. And he comes across a third man on a camel, and guess what? He's only selling ties, And he says, please, one sip of water. He says, no, I only have tithes, but I'll give you one for half price. He says, I have no money. I just want a sip of water. He says, I only have tithes. He goes off. Finally, he's crawling, and he gets to, it's, it's like an oasis. There's this beautiful building. The closer he gets, he realizes it's a restaurant. It's got all these glass windows. He sees people inside. I mean, and they are eating, and they're drinking. There's a giant fountain, and they're dipping their glasses in water from the fountain, and they're drinking, refreshed. And he thinks, finally made it. He goes into the doorway thinking, I'm finally safe. And they stop him and say, you can't come in without a tie. Now, our journey really on this earth is a journey, is a quest to meet God. And there are certain requirements that we have to have if we're going to be able to truly draw close to God and experience his nearness, his presence, and hear his voice. Now, what... Are those requirements? What is that pattern that we must follow if we're really going to get close to God, experience His nearness, and hear His voice? Now, there is a pattern. I mean, drawing close to God is not automatic. In fact, this pattern was first revealed to people in His fullness, 1,450 years. Before Christ. And the pattern was revealed in the pattern of the tabernacle that God gave to Moses and instructed the children of Israel to build. Now, the tabernacle, also called the tent of meeting in the Old Testament, was kind of the temporary, mobile temple for the Israelites while they're wandering the wilderness for 40 years and how they could actually connect with God, how they could draw close to God. There was a pattern that God designed where sinful people could draw close to a holy God. He gave them a pattern. Now, you might think it doesn't really matter how we approach God, but that's not true. Why do you have 52 chapters in your Bible on the tabernacle? It was very important that that pattern was followed so the people could draw close to God, experience his presence, and hear his voice. In fact, I want to look at a passage here that tells us the purpose of the tabernacle. Exodus chapter 25 and verse 8 says this. Let them construct a sanctuary for me. This is God talking. That... I may dwell among them. So he actually gave them specific directions on a pattern that needed to be followed by the people so they could draw close to him. Why? Because God wanted that to happen. He wanted nearness to people. He wanted that. It goes on in Exodus 25, verse 21 and 22. It says, you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. He's talking about the ark of the covenant. And in the ark, you shall put the testimony which I give to you, the Ten Commandments. There, I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, so on the case of the ark of the covenant, between the two cherubim, the golden, basically, statues of cherubim angels, Which are upon the ark of the testimony, I will speak to you about all that I will give you in commandment for the sons of Israel. So God wants to dwell among his people. I mean, God wants intimacy with us a lot more than we want it with him. He wants our nearness. He wants our friendship. He wants our fellowship. And he wants to speak to us. So what does he do? He devises a way where that can happen. He devises a pattern where a sinful man, if they follow the pattern that he devised, they can experience his presence and hear his voice. Again, there are 52 chapters in your Bible about the tabernacle. It mattered how people approached God. Now, the pattern of how to approach God revealed in the tabernacle is very Important, But I want you to understand this about it. A lot of people think, yeah, but that's way Old Testament stuff. That pattern doesn't matter anymore. What I propose to you is the pattern has not changed. The pattern has not been abolished. In fact, the pattern has actually been fulfilled in the person in the work of Jesus Christ. Now, Here's the point I want us to really get this morning, and that is this. If we follow the pattern of the tabernacle as fulfilled in Christ, then we can draw close to the Lord. We can experience his presence, taste his nearness, and hear his voice. So what I want to do this morning is give you kind of a brief overview, understanding of this pattern as fulfilled by Christ. All right, so let's take our first step. The first step that we see in the pattern of the tabernacle that must be taken is the altar of sacrifice, the altar of burnt offering. There had to be sacrifice for sin before you could draw close to God. Let's go ahead and play that first video clip, Shelly. we?
1: We will begin at the east gate, a curtain skillfully woven of blue, purple, and scarlet and of finely twisted linen. Entering into the courtyard we come to the place where the first step in meeting with God was taken. In the understanding of the seemingly cruel sacrifices comes the beauty of forgiveness and a position of right standing with God.
0: Okay, so that's step number one. There had to be sacrifice for sin. And that that sacrifice was a life for a life. See according to the righteous requirements of the law each one of us should die for our sin. That's what we deserve. We deserve death. But the law of the Old Testament it enabled there to be either we die for our sin or an offering could die in our place. There could be a substitution, a life for a life. Now all of the sacrifices of the Old Testament find their fulfillment in Christ. And his sacrifice for us on the cross, when he dies in our place, he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the unblemished Lamb of God who is sacrificed in our place. And so everyone who comes to, wants to come to know God has to make that first step. They have to come to Jesus as their Savior and Lord. They have to have forgiveness of sins. You cannot come close to a holy God with your sin. So sin must be forgiven, and there must be sacrifice, and there was. When Jesus Christ dies on the cross, he dies in our place, a life for a life. His blood is shed instead of ours, so we can have forgiveness of sins. This is where the tabernacle journey begins, and this is the gospel. This is good news. This is we can come to know God because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. He died in our place. He rose again, proving that the cross worked. And God, the Father, received that for our forgiveness. So that's where it all starts. If we want to draw close to God, we must come to a place where we genuinely, sincerely turn to Jesus as our Savior and the Lord of our lives. So I just want to pause a moment because if you haven't yet done that, then all your other attempts, you can't. There's no, there's no going around this to get near to God. This is the only way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He's the sacrifice for sins. We can't draw close without having him as our Savior and Lord. So if you haven't yet done that and want to do that, you can do it today. You can do it in this room. You can do this online. And you can just say, Jesus, if you mean it, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. I'm asking you today to do that, to come into my life, forgive me my sins. Ask him. Just ask him. That's where it all starts. Now, some of you might say, well, you know, I did that a long time ago, but I've been a bit of a prodigal. I went away from God. But I've, I've come back. I've come back. Maybe you're in this room and you feel like you've been a prodigal. You've come home. Maybe you're online. You've been a prodigal. You've, you've come home to the Lord. All I want to say to you is, welcome home. Amen. Welcome back. Welcome back. You don't have to earn it. I remember the story of the prodigal son, the father with open arms. When the son was about to tell him he was willing to earn it, he's just, he just engulfs him. He says, welcome home. And that's what the father says to any of you who've been away. Just welcome home. Welcome home. All right, step number two. Step number two is the, br- is the bronze laver. And let's watch this clip.
1: Next, we see a large basin of water placed strategically between the brazen altar and the tent of meeting. The laver was a vessel of physical and symbolic cleansing for the priests in their service before the Lord. It was absolutely essential that they were to be clean before beginning the process of meeting with their holy God. Make a bronze basin. With it, a bronze stand for washing. Place it between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put water in it. Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and feet with water from it. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so that they will not die. Also, when they approach the altar to minister by presenting an offering made to the Lord by fire, they shall wash their hands and feet so that they will not die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron And his descendants for the generations to come.
0: So, the next step in approaching the nearness of God now is this bronze laver. And it contained water, and the priests were to wash their hands and their feet before they enter into the holy place. Now, according to the New Testament, all of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we are now priests of God. There is something called the priesthood of the believer. There's not some special class of priest. All of us who know Jesus as Savior, Lord, are now priests. And so we need to understand that we need to make sure that we are dealing with the sin as we go through life as a Christian, even. We're dealing with that sin appropriately so we can walk in nearness and fellowship to God. 2 Timothy 2.21 says this, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Proverbs 28, verse 13 says, he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. So as Christians, we are forgiven in Christ. This is true, but we need to understand uh, this picture that is given to us. The picture of, in the ancient world, going to a bathhouse. That's how you, you didn't have a shower in your, your house in the ancient world. You went to the bathhouse. When you went to the bathhouse, you were completely clean at the bathhouse. Then you put your clothes back on and your sandals back on, and the time you got home, your feet on these dusty roads were dirty. The rest of you was still clean, but your feet were dirty. That's why they had a place to wash their feet at the entrance of each home. Now, Jesus actually takes this picture in John chapter 13 and and really develops it as he's speaking to Peter. But here's the truth very simply, and that is this. As a Christian, we are forgiven. But as we walk through this world in which we live, sometimes we still sin. We still get our feet dirty. How do we cleanse ourselves even from that sin as we walk through this world? It's called confession. We confess the sins to God so here's what it says, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 32, verse 5, King David said, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sins. See, so many, so many Christians, they just they stop that simple confession, that exercise of when you sin, be quick to confess it to God. Don't let there be a bunch of unconfessed sin you're walking in, a bunch of sin you're not repenting from, you're not confessing. That will hinder you from drawing close to God. Even as a Christian, that will hinder you. So get in the habit of quickly confessing sins when they happen. Just say, Lord, I was wrong to do that. It was a sin. Please forgive me. Just quickly keep a short account with God. And so I want to take a moment, and even as we're talking about preparing even now to draw close to the Lord during this service, closer, but also this Wednesday special service, let's have some, a moment of some self-examination. Now, John Wesley, really one of the key f- fathers of uh, the Methodist church movement, who, who's probably turning in his grave uh, these days from what's being done by much of the Methodist church. But it wasn't that way when he helped begin it. Very godly man, and John Wesley had his, he had these self-examination questions, and I just want just I want to go ahead and go through these questions that he actually went through on his on his own, and I've been using it in my life. John Wesley's self-examination questions, and as as I read them, I want you to think: Is do any of these apply? Is there anything you need to confess to the Lord? Question number one: He asked himself, "Am I consciously or unconsciously?" Creating the impression to others that I'm better than I really am. In other words, am I a hypocrite? Am I honest in all my acts and words, or do I exaggerate? Do I confidentially pass uh, on information that's been entrusted to me with confidence? Can I be trusted? Am I a slave to the way I dress or to friendships or to work or to habits of any sort? Am I self-conscious? Am I self-pitying? Am I self-justifying? Did the Bible live in me today? Do I give it time to speak to me every day? Am I enjoying prayer? When did I last speak to someone else about my faith? Do I pray about the money I spend? Is there anything I'm disobeying God in? Do I insist upon doing something about, I'm sorry, do I insist upon doing something about which my conscience is uneasy? Do I go against my conscience? Am I living a defeated life in any part of my life? Am I jealous? Am I, do I have impure thoughts, critical spirit? Am I irritable, distrustful? How do I spend my spare time? Am I proud? Is there anyone whom I disown, criticize, hold resentment toward? What am I doing about it? Do I grumble, complain? Is Christ real to me? Father, we just ask that you would search our hearts by the power of your spirit even now. Show us if there's any unconfessed sin in our lives that we might confess it in the name of Jesus. Now, some of you, I'm just, going to, just I'm going to pray a little bit more, but some of you might want to say, you know, there's some, there's some sheets of paper on the tables around the room and a pen. Some of you might want to just write it down. Don't put your name on it. Just write it down and write First John 1, 9 over it and throw it in the trash. Just throw it in the trash. And so I'm going to pray a little bit more. And so if that's what you say, I just, I just want to go ahead and just write it down, write First John 1, 9, 9 over it. Because I think sometimes that helps us realize I really am forgiven. He promises if I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me of all my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So Father, we do ask you, Lord, would you show anything that we need to confess, any one of us, or that we might just really truly bring it before you I encourage you uh, between now and once a Wednesday night just have a time where there's just a time where the Lord can search your heart all right next place we go to after the uh, bronze labor is the holy place let's watch this
1: once again we come to a place of further separation and increasing holiness for only the priests would enter into the tent of meeting to tend to the tasks inside The curtains served to place emphasis on purity and consecration, which were prerequisites before proceeding into the first room of the Tent of Meeting. This visual reminder heightened the importance of God's holiness. Make a lampstand of pure gold and hammer it out, base and shaft. Its flower-like cups, buds, and blossoms shall be of one piece with it. Six branches are to extend from the sides of the lampstand. Three on one side, three on the other. Then make its seven lamps and set them upon it so that they light the space in front of it. Its wick trimmers and trays are to be of pure gold. A talent of pure gold is to be used for the lampstand and all its accessories. See that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Closed off from the outside world, the single source of light for the holy place came from the seven lamps atop the golden lampstand. The combined light of these oil lamps would reflect well off the walls since they were covered completely with gold.
0: And notice that lampstand had one, one candle in the middle and had three on each side. What the priest would do is he'd light the one that, one in the middle was lit, and then one's on each side where they would get their light from the one in the middle. Now again, everything's fulfilled by Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. But then he turns around and says, Now we're the light of the world. How do we get our light? We get our light by leaning into him, by drawing close to him. I mean, and, and it, when, the closer we draw to him and really have fellowship with him, the brighter we shine, the more light we shine. Aaron, go ahead and come on up here. Where is Aaron at? One of the things that's real important that we need to understand that if I'm not drawing close to Jesus in a real intimate relationship, I'm not going to shine a light in my workplace, in my neighborhood, you know, in my schools. I mean, it's just not going to happen. I'm not going to live that way. It's so crucial that if we're going to actually shine, we've got to be... It's a, it's, I love this picture of the lampstand. You've got to you lean in to that middle candle to get lit. We've got to draw close to Jesus if we're going to shine our light. And so I want to just do something for a moment. I just want just, to take a moment and just do that. I want to just talk about it. Let's all stand for just a second. I just want us to just, just go ahead and close your eyes. If you don't know the words, you can go ahead and look at the screen. But it's a song that we know. And I want us to just go ahead and just focus on Jesus now. With the eyes of your heart, focus on Jesus right now.
2: the glory. And day and night, night and day, let incense arise.
0: amen 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 okay you may be seated next place is the table of showbread let's go ahead and show that clip
1: the ambient glow of the lampstand would illumine across the room to the table of showbread on this table were kept 12 loaves of fresh bread one for each tribe as a continual reminder of man's need for god's provision this offering of bread was called the bread of presence since it was kept before God's presence.
0: Okay, remember now that the bread is it was for the food for the priest. Remember it's the priesthood of believer. We are priests of the Lord. And we actually have better than that because Jesus is the bread that comes down from heaven, John chapter 6. And we actually get our spiritual nourishment from him, he gives us our satisfaction, he gives us our strength. One of the reasons that we do the lord 's Supper every Sunday, first of all, because in Acts chapter twenty verse seven it says they, they met on the first day of the week Sunday, in order to break bread together to share the lord 's supper so we 're following a biblical pattern, but also it 's an important part of worship when you When you take communion don 't let this go into just some type of you know mechanical rote action. I mean, really, i tell you what I do. I'll tell you every time I eat and drink, I pray this very simply. I realize, I mean, I'm drawing close to Jesus. I eat and drink and I say, by your stripes, I'm healed. See, there's power in the atonement. And I'm drawing from it. By your stripes, I'm healed. By your strength, I'm strong. By your wisdom, I'm wise. I am entering into, I am drawing from him. It's important that we understand that it's not just some little exercise. It's it's about intimacy with Christ and drawing our life from him. And so the table of showbread, again, is fulfilled by Christ. Next part.
1: The altar of incense represented the need for the prayers of the people to be continuously directed upwards toward God and that those same prayers would be received by God as a sweet aroma And be pleasing to his ear.
0: Okay, so now there's the altar of incense. Let me read a couple verses to you. Psalm 141, verse 2 says, May my prayer be counted as incense before you, the lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. Revelation 5, 8. When you take in the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And so our prayers are like incense up before, before God. Leviticus chapter 4 verse 7 says that there must be blood applied on the altar of incense. And when we pray, we're praying in the name of Jesus. The blood is applied. Because again, Jesus fulfills the altar of incense. It's his blood shed that enables us to come before the throne of grace. And pray. And what do we pray? What should we be? What should we be caught up in? We need to understand: the closer you, you draw to God, the closer, then the more that what what is on His heart gets on your heart. All right, let's read this: Isaiah fifty-six verse seven says, "Even those I will bring to My holy mountain, and make them joyful in My house of prayer; their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on My altar, for My house." We'll be called a house of prayer for all peoples. If we are drawing close to God, something's going to happen to us. And what is, what is on his heart is going to start to get on our heart. And what is on God's heart is lost people. It's, it's the unreached people groups of the world. I mean, that is on his heart. It's beating for that. And so anyone who's drawn close to the Lord, one of the evidences that you're really reaching his heart is you'll begin to intercede for lost people and intercede for the, the nations that the people groups who do not yet know Christ. And so I want to just do that. Let's stand one more time. And I want to lead us in a, a quick prayer before we have one more step to take. Father, right now, we ask you, Lord, would you, would you accelerate the fulfillment of the Great Commission? Lord Jesus, you are... Lord of the harvest, and we ask you to send forth labors into this harvest. We ask you to release signs and wonders on the earth and affirm and authenticate your messengers on the front lines everywhere on this earth and speed up the fulfillment, Lord, that Jesus might return. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One more step. You can be seated. And that is now we go into the Holy of Holies where there's the Ark of the Covenant. Shall we play that last one, please?
1: Just beyond the altar of incense was the Holy of Holies. This dwelling place of God was so solemn and set apart that the veil would only be opened once a year. It was then that the high priest would meet with God. Pushing back the veil reveals the article above which this most holy meeting would occur. The Ark of the Covenant.
0: Okay, Aaron, come on. Now, this, this right here, it really blows my mind. Here, this, there's this five-inch-thick curtain that only once a year the high priest could go in and actually be close to the to the presence of God and hear His voice. But here's the beauty. Let's let's see what happened at the cross of Christ. Matthew chapter 27, verse 15, 51. Let me read this. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. So because of the death of Christ on the cross for us, the, it's like God does a giant karate chop and just tears open the, the, the veil and opens up the holy of holies, nearness to God for all of us. All of us as priests to our God. And so we can draw close to Him. And it's almost like the closer and closer you get, it's like the lower and lower you get. And you start off, you know, with shouts of praise to God, but you're now, it's like your whispers because you're near Him in His presence. And so we're going to do one more song, just briefly. And uh, so let's stand one more time because we're going to sing a song. And then I'm just going to have, have a time of silence because He wants to speak. God wants to speak to you. So let's just sing to the Lord one more time, and let's just listen.
2: When I look into your holiness, when I gaze into your love that surround become shadows in the light of you when i find the joy of reaching your heart when my will becomes enthroned in your love when all things that surround Become shadows in the light of You, Jesus. I worship You. I worship You.
0: ask you to open up our spirit and our ears to hear your voice now. Lord, we do pray that you'd really bless our Wednesday worship time following this pattern. And I pray, Lord, that we would be mindful of this pattern ourselves every day. That it matters how you're approached. And, Lord, that we would be those who seek you with all of our heart and find you. Before we're dismissed, I do want to just say if if you're new here, I'd love to meet you over in the welcome corner. If you have any questions for our staff in Connection Corner. And there will be some leaders up here in front that'll be glad to pray for you. So if you have any prayer requests, please don't leave without letting someone pray for you. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great day and a great week.